Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Lookout Mountain United Methodist Church. We pray that this sermon will engage your mind and that God's Spirit will engage your heart. We also want to invite you to come worship with us on the mountain every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Whether you live close by, have come to visit the Chattanooga area, or just listening online, there is a place for you at Lookout Mountain. Now may God bless you as you hear the word proclaimed. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from John chapter 10. It is uh, the scripture that is used on this, the fourth Sunday of Easter, uh, most years in many of our churches. Uh, When we talk about uh, the Good Shepherd Sunday, it is a story that we tell in the scriptures we look at at this powerful image of Jesus as the shepherd uh, and we as the sheep, an image that goes all the way from Genesis through the end of Revelation. This is an image that is brought up as God as shepherd for God's people. So here now this reading from John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. I assure you that whoever doesn't enter into the sheep pen through the gate, but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The guard at the gate opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he has gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus spoke again, I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep didn't listen to them I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I came so that they could have life. Indeed, so that they could have life to the fullest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of every heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, many of you are aware that I am from Texas. As you are probably aware of most people from Texas, we tend to let folks know that's where we are from. It's something we Uh, are proud of that somehow we were fortunate enough to be born in the Lone Star State. Growing up in Texas, uh, some of those stereotypes are true that you hear of Texans. Um, You know, we, uh, I grew up in a city of about a million people, but I actually grew up just outside of it on on a large piece of land with a big red barn and we when I was a a young child had horses because we live in Texas and everyone's given a horse when they're born Um, 
And then when you get older, you can trade your horse in for a cow. And then you're really living the Texas life. And so now at my parents' home, and we're going to get to take my little girls in, in just a week or so to spend some time there. Uh, my parents have a few head of cattle that they keep and have for a while now. Um, and so this is just part of being a Texan is you're around horses and cows and you grow up playing cowboys. You never in Texas, I don't know how it is here, you never grow up playing shepherd. Anybody here grow up playing shepherd? Walking around with your big stick? No, we didn't either. So it makes it a little bit difficult to come to this analogy that's so prominent in scripture of God as shepherd, Jesus as the good shepherd, when I don't know anything about sheep. I know a little bit about cows and, and horses, but sheep, I, I don't really know. But the people who lived in Palestine back then, the people who lived in Israel, they were often surrounded by shepherds. Shepherds were a big part of the agriculture there. They didn't have cattle ranches, they had you know, shepherds and flocks and, and shepherds are all throughout the scripture. Shepherds are showing up everywhere. Anyone, anyone that wants to do anything has shepherds show up in their story, right? You just can't do anything in the Bible without one shepherd peeking his head in. So they know shepherding the way that I know ranching and probably they know it better, which is good because when I read about sheep, I, I have questions. I don't know about sheep. And when I read this passage today about the sheep following the shepherd and knowing his voice and not someone else, I wonder about sheep and kind of what sort of relationship do they have with a shepherd? Is it the same as a, as a rancher and, a, and the cattle have? Is it the same as a rider and a horse? You know, I wonder, do the, do the sheep look at a shepherd and think, well, that's the biggest sheep I've ever seen. I'm going to follow that sheep. It's huge. Or do they think, where'd all the fur go on that sheep? Or do they, do they not even care? Or do they think that you better watch out, it's got a big stick. So you stick close or it'll pop you with the big... How do they relate to this sheep? I, I, I don't know. But I, I wonder about it. Do they see the shepherd as like the principal of a school? You know, you just, you do what it says because you don't want to get kicked out. And so to, to figure this out, I, I was thinking this week, and I was reading over the scripture that Wes read for us, the 23rd Psalm, right? Because that is a, a psalm in which the psalmist is kind of taking on the persona of a sheep. And, and I trust that the psalmist knew more about sheep than I do, which isn't saying a whole lot, but I'm pretty sure they knew and could take on that role and, and figure out what it means to, to be a sheep. And you hear this psalm begin the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he leadeth me beside still waters you know he makes me lie down in green pastures that there is this relationship between the the sheep and the shepherd that you take note of that the sheep seem to like the shepherd that they know that if they want good stuff in their life you follow that big, tall, hairless sheep with the big stick. That's the shepherd. You know, you learn what the voice of the shepherd, and you stick close, and that's going to be the best thing for you. 
A sheep without a shepherd is in for some trouble. It's not going to be able to find those green pastures or those still waters. It's not going to be safe when the bear or the lion come. The sheep need their shepherd. Even a group of sheep without a shepherd are not doing well. They need that shepherd. It is their best possible way for a sheep to live is with a good shepherd. And so maybe if that's how sheep feel about their shepherd, then that's how we should feel about ours. Jesus is trying to explain this to the people, and and it sounds like they weren't doing any better with it than I was for a while, that they were kind of confused. And and so Jesus is walking them through who's the shepherd and who's a thief. He sees that there are things in our lives that come after us that try to lead us astray, and, and he's trying to warn the people who are listening about that. And he tells them that he is the gate through which the sheep can enter and through which they can go out. And in our passage this morning, we actually stop a little bit short of where he says, I am the good shepherd. And so we have to take this year the analogy of I am the gate, which I admit is not nearly as glamorous as I am the good shepherd. And when you're not as glamorous as a shepherd, you know, it's kind of, this is not one of the passages that we talk about all the time. No one seems to really take great comfort in imagining Jesus as a gate, right? That's not what we think because gates, they're not very dynamic. They're not very exciting. This is a gate. It's like a fence. And pretty soon we imagine ourselves as, you know, being fenced in And, and nobody likes anybody here claustrophobic. Anybody here ever go to a big city and you try to get on like a subway car or a bus and you like start standing shoulder to shoulder and. Kind of, you know, it's a little hard to breathe when you get confined. Some of you, if you're, maybe you get too many people on a pew, right? And you're kind of, I'm used to having a little more room to spread out. I'm like that, you know, Texans, we we like our land and our space. And so I, I, I don't like being hemmed in. And sometimes that's how we approach God, right? As God is hemming us in, God is confining us. And so Jesus explains the parable further. He says, look, I am the gate and through which the sheep can come in and be safe. That when the sheep need to find pasture, I am the gate. They enter me and that is where they find pasture. That is where they are cared for and nourished. I am the gate to all things that are good. In our opening hymn this morning, we sang, To God be the glory, great things he hath done, so loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Jesus is the life gate. A life lived in relationship to Jesus is the most fulfilling life there is. He is that gate into the life that is truly life. He is our access to all of this pasture and nourishment and security 
and fulfillment that we long for. Jesus is the gate to life. It is not the fence that hems us in. It is the gate that gives us freedom to live how God wants us to live. I was thinking about this this week. And I was thinking about the Ten Commandments, right? And the Ten Commandments, anybody here ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Anyone? A few of you? Okay, good. Now, I, I, if you're anything like me, you learned that the Ten Commandments were these rules you had to follow, right? Anybody know that kind of sound familiar? These ten very, very important rules, and you do not break them, which sets it up as if we're all free people, and we can do whatever we want, but God has said, hey, I don't want you to go and do these ten things. You're free, you're, I've made you free people, but I'm going to limit some of your choices. I don't want you to be able to do some of this stuff, right? You're limited. You're hemmed in by these commandments that you can't do. But I don't know that that's really how they are meant to be taken. Because they come in the middle of the story called the Exodus. They come in the middle of a story about freedom about people who were in bondage, people who didn't have choices, and God sets them free. God breaks their chains and leads them down a path. He makes, in a sense, a gate through the Red Sea, which they enter. They go through the water and they come out and they are free, and Egypt cannot follow after them. And God gives them, what, more chains to put on? Now that I've made you free, let me get rid of your freedom? Or is God saying to them, now that you are free, now that you have your first taste of freedom that you've ever known, let me show you the way to really live free, to get the most out of your freedom. To really live free and enjoy this life that I am giving you. Here are the ten things you need to do. Don't have any other gods. You don't need any more. Just me. And don't think that anything in creation is going to serve as a god that could be worshipped. It's just part of the creation I've made. And don't think that by working every single day of the week, you will accomplish more as if you are the only one working in the world. Take a day and rest and know that I am the Lord. Take care of your family by honoring your father and your mother and your spouse. Don't steal from each other and lie to each other. Value every life, even if it's your own. Don't value your worth based on what you have and what others have. But be content with all that you are given. It's a little bit different to hear the story told that way. That these are the ten tips to living your best life. The ten tips to living life in the promised land. This is how we'll get the most out of it. This is the way life is meant to be lived in the promised land. And Jesus is saying, 
I am the way life is supposed to be lived. I am the gate that gets you to the promised land. I am the one who will show you how to live the life that is truly life, to have a full life, an abundant life. Jesus is that gate that leads to the abundant life and you can go in, you can enter that life. That's part of the reason we have these buckets sitting here in the middle of our church, Ace Hardware buckets, right? It's not the most beautiful decoration you've ever seen a church adorned with, is it? Except that in Jesus' name, we're going to fill up these 20 buckets with supplies and send them to Zimbabwe, where they will go to help the poorest of the poor receive an education to hear the good news of Jesus, to be given a life that they didn't ever think was possible. It's through the offering towards the Native American ministries that we will have later, where we send Native American pastors back to their own communities, educated in seminaries so that they can send a message of hope that this tragedy that so many find themselves in The things that have happened to their people are not the only thing that can define them, but that there are people who follow Jesus, who know that these lives matter, that they are valued and they can be transformed and they can have a fulfilled life. Jesus is the gate that opens up that kind of life to people. It opens it up to us. It opens it up to all, right? He opened the life gate that all may go in. Jesus is the gate that leads to the green pastures and the still waters. Jesus is the good shepherd who came to lead us into a life of freedom and joy and love. He gave his life for the flock so that the gate of life could be opened and that all people could come in and find new life. It is the gift of this opened life gate, this good shepherd that we will celebrate in communion today. It is this remembrance That through Jesus Christ, the gate that leads to life is opened to you. Thanks be to God. Amen.